Man, don't you just love the Lord? Look at somebody and say that I'm a happy person. But you can't say that without showing them your teeth. It's, it's impossible. Some of you need to tell your face that, that you are happy. Especially if you said that to your spouse, it's important for them to know that. I want to share with you in just in this night, just regarding the topic of no to lukewarmness. And um, as you would know that, that how many of you sense that you know it's God is starting to, or He has started to do something completely new? Okay, to the rest of you, didn't raise your hands. Just, just find somebody who raised their hands and let them just pray for you. It's important because we can be in the midst of something that God does and miss it completely. Just because, I don't know if you've, if you've ever, um, if you had a friend at school and then you find out that that friend is in a relationship and you're like, when did this happen? Remember, and you're like, when were you ever going to tell me? And I, well, we're not in school. We are, obviously, we're in church. But we can be totally oblivious to that what the Lord is doing because we are consumed with our own lives. And if we only care about ourselves, we can miss to that what's busy happening around us. And if we miss to that what is busy happening around us, we can totally be absent from that what the Lord wants to do through us. And this, this evening, I've got the, just the, the privilege of sharing with you this in terms of the topic of no to lukewarmness. You know why this is so important? Because over the last two years, we've seen great people of faith also just move out of places of where people warmed the seat where you were sitting right now, maybe online, no, not, not so much. But, but there where you're seated right now were people seated that also confessed the Lord and it's nothing against them. But last week, Pastor Eric shared a message, a message about compromise, about the Nicolaitans. Those of you who haven't listened to it, go to YouTube and um, just go and listen. And um, as you do that as well, maybe just take out your phone right now. How many of you have got a phone here? Have you got a phone? It's your phone. It's, it's, the thing is, it should be yours. As you do that, won't you please just go on um, Either on YouTube, you'll find us at Empower Church. Um, that's and, and and just go and subscribe, just for a moment. Just just subscribe if you haven't subscribed. And uh, tonight we we're gonna be sharing about how to move out of a place of lukewarmness. And I'm gonna propose a few things to you as if I've also journeyed in my own life. And I can't I can't say that. I'm going to speak about things that, that I'm not, I haven't lived or maybe in that place because I can't preach to you something and then live something else. So I have to submit to you only that what, what, what I can understand that I found in the Scripture in my walk with the Lord. And um, if you're on, on Facebook, you can go to, um, to Pastor Gibbard's page on Gibbard Barrett, the page, not the friend, uh, the page, and just go and like and just share the sermon with somebody. Just if you can do that right now. I really appreciate if you can do that before we get into the Word. This is not the time to, 
to check your, your Facebook updates about all the messages that you received. Um, if you want a, a hotspot, just ask William or Richard in the front. They'll, they'll hook you up with a hotspot. Download a Netflix series. Okay. Tonight I want to speak to you out of the book of Revelations, Revelations 3, from verse 15 to 19. I'm going to read for us, um, and you can follow us on the board as well. It starts off, it says, I know your, your works, other translation says your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you could, or you would be hot or cold. Can I go to my own translation? I lost it there. So, so then, because you are lukewarm, you are neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Verse 17. To say I am, uh, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and you do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can come, become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you won't be able to see. Verse 19. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Now, if we look to the scripture, obviously Jesus was addressing a few churches in the book of Revelation and how many of you love to get prophetic words? You know, it's usually the funny word. If you start off giving words, it's like, I don't know how many of you have ever watched Shrek in your life, the movie Shrek. You know that cat, Puss in Boots? When he tries to get somebody's attention, it just makes these kitty eyes. And it's so funny sometimes when it comes to the prophetic and somebody gets a word, somebody else just starts making those eyes. They're like, oh, please just, just see me. I want to also get a word. And, um, but Jesus, when he starts speaking to these churches, he's not giving a nice word. Some of the words are tough words. Some of the churches, he actually applauds and he says, yes, you've done this well, but this thing maybe just changed on that. But this church, out from the bat, he's just like, you are neither hot, you are neither cold, and I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, how many of you know that if you get called out with a word like that, you won't raise your hands like that and say, I receive. It's not something you want to just say because it is a harsh word. And in this place, we find Jesus rebuking this church quite harshly because uh, this church, just to give you some context, is that this church that he addresses was, was quite a rich community of, of believers, very wealthy people. They were so wealthy that the city where they were located, they had a, a, a natural hot spring about 15 miles away from the church or from the city. And what they did is they built trenches to get that hot springs to flow into their city. They you didn't need a tap. They just built these systems. And on the other side of this the city, they had icy mountains that melted and ice-cold water would flow. And they also built trenches that would come into it. So in modern day translation, they would have hot water and cold water. But as they built these trenches, the time that this water, either hot or cold, reached the specific city, it was lukewarm. The cold water started turning hotter 
and the hot water started cooling down, becoming colder. And if you understand this from this place, is that the hot water was supposed to be soothing. How many of you love to take a hot bath? Not now, it's, especially if you're a lady. I don't know what's, your thermometer in your body is maybe not right. I don't understand that, maybe just to jump in there. I don't understand that sometimes about ladies. You can take a bath and you turn as red as Madeleine's shirt. And you're like, yes, this, this was so nice. And when you think me as a husband, okay, the hot water is done, I climb into there and you were bathing for a half an hour and that water still burns me. I'm like, what's up with that? I don't get that. Anyway, the bottom line is it was supposed to soothe. Hot water is supposed to soothe you. And the cold water was supposed to refresh. But Jesus says you are neither soothing nor refreshing. And uh, the interesting thing about the scripture in Revelation 3 is that he's speaking to churches. It's not a matter of salvation. He was speaking to believers that have started becoming cold in their walk with the Lord. It's interesting enough that we can sometimes, you can read Revelation 20, where he says that, that Jesus says, I stand at, at the door and I knock and I would wish that somebody can open up and I would enter. And we use that as a salvation thing. But Jesus is addressing Christians. We, should need, we need to understand that He's addressing people who already accepted Him, yet they have started to compromise to living in a different way to their design. It's interesting that we've seen in the time of, of this period of COVID, COVID is over. I want to say that very boldly. But it's interesting that people still use the crutch and the effects of what it brought to still stay away from doing with that what God wants them to do. It's interesting that there's been a great separation. And now we, we're trying to, to say that, that we're calling people back and we still love a lot of people, but it's a decision that you need to make that nobody can make on your behalf. I can't pursue the Lord on Richard's behalf or to Michaela's behalf. I can't do that. I need to, to seek out the Lord for my own salvation with fear and trembling. But we see in this, in this portion of Scripture in Revelation 3 that Jesus says that I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, if you go and you study the word vomit, you can study it from top to bottom. It still means vomit. I will spit you out of my mouth. It's a displeasing taste. Can I share with you something? Yesterday, we went um, hiking up the mountain. There was two wonderful people. Are they here tonight? I think they are here tonight. Marina and, uh, and Ruben, they got engaged yesterday, huh? If Ruben didn't have ears, his smile would go right around his head. But um, we, we went up the mountain and it's, it was amazing. It was a hot day yesterday. And uh, as we walked up, we were busy just helping them with their things. And I had, a, I had two water bottles, one in my backpack. The other one I was walking up the whole, the whole uh, way up the mountain with. And uh, I drank, I would say, 90% of, of the water in my bottle. And as I put it down, we were busy with the photos, and it was wonderful. And there came a time after he proposed, it was wonderful. They embraced one another. She said yes, which was very important. And um, after she said that, we were like, woo, we can go down the mountain. And as I took a sip of that water, it was hot. In my mind, I was waiting for something to refresh me and to cool me down, but that water was heated. 
The thing about that water is that immediately out of my mouth is that I spat it out. And I understand why Jesus says, you are neither hot, you are neither cold, and I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because I expected something different. It's interesting as we, as we look to, 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 to how, how our lukewarmness creeps into so many areas of our lives, sometimes we don't even realize how cold or how hot we've, we've started to become in certain areas. It's interesting that Jesus makes it very clear that His kingdom is not neutral. Nothing in the kingdom of God is neutral. You are either going to be light or you're going to be darkness. You're either going to be living in holiness or you're going to be living in unholiness. You're going to live in righteousness or unrighteousness. You're going to live in pride or you're going to live in humility. You're going to live in obedience or you're going to live in disobedience. There is no middle ground in the kingdom. It's either you're going to be following Jesus with everything you have or you're going to be total disobedient on the other side of the coin. There is nothing neutral. It's interesting that in this time we, we use our modern times and we see that, um, that we say modern times have evolved a lot. It's true. That obviously I think now you can find like a hundred different genders or whatever. Because they say genders have evolved. Well, the Word of God has not evolved. It is still the Word of the Lord. And if I use the word standards to try and measure where I find myself in, that's the moment I start compromising. And the moment I start compromising, I make a decision to either walk in the light or walk in darkness. It's interesting that I need to choose and I need to make up my mind because the one thing that I need to understand and you need to understand that you as a Christian, you carry an atmosphere. Have you ever seen a person that's very sad walking into a room and you can just see that look upon their faces and you're like, whoa, what's, what is that about? Because we carry an atmosphere, we as Christians, we also carry the kingdom. That is the atmosphere. It's interesting if you go to a, I don't know, a music festival, there's an atmosphere at the music festival. That's why when Christians go and they, I'm using an example, sorry if I step on your toes, um, somebody's got the gift of healing. But if I as a Christian, I, then I go clubbing and then I try to be at the club, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really engaging, I'm in between, but I'm just having a good time. But then the next day, I can't even wake up for church. I've compromised. And in that area, I've made a willful decision to step away from an intentional pursuit of the Lord to making a lukewarm commitment, a half-hearted commitment. Think about it in the natural. How many of you, if you were a lady, if somebody would propose to you and say, oh, I think I want to marry you. If a man comes and he, he doesn't even go like Reuben on his one knee, he's like, like oh, I'm going to give you a ring. You decide when you've got time. Just let me know if it's a yes or a no. I'm, I'm easy. If you as a lady, if you say yes to that, you'd need serious counseling. 
then why, oh why, do we as Christians approach the Lord with the same thing, with double-minded thinking, saying that I can be in the kingdom of God, but I've got another foot in the world, and then I'm trying to be relevant because I'm trying not to lose out on the world, but I'm still trying to be in the kingdom because of relevance. I can't be relevant to the world because I'm not from this world. As soon as I'm, I'm trying to compromise in that area, I lose out on the blazing furnace that God wants me to be. You know, it's a beautiful thing about Revelations 5. Revelations 5 starts like this. It says, Behold, I looked up and there was a door open in the heavens. And I looked up and a voice said, Come up here. And as he walked up, what John saw in the vision, he saw that he, was, he saw Sardius, and I can't remember what's the other one. The, the two definitions is he saw fire and light. God is fire and light. And therefore, if we are Christians, we are also called the light of the world and we need to be blazing hot for the King. But there's no room for compromise and a middle ground for being double-minded in our walk with the Lord. It's impossible. I want to say to you, it's actually illegal. It's like we criticize if a policeman, let me use an example. If the police use their police vehicles and they stop at, at spa on a disabled parking and they go and do shopping, you would feel like you are misappropriating government funds. But we as Christians, we keep quiet when other Christians are not walking in the light and misrepresenting the kingdom of heaven. Because we are scared to speak the truth. Because it will offend somebody. There's a difference. I speak the truth in love. Love without truth is hypocrisy. Truth without love is brutality. It's brutal. If I share the truth but I don't love, it's brutal. But if I don't share the truth and I just love, I'm a hypocrite. No middle ground. The beautiful thing about when I make the decision is that we've, the Bible calls us in 1 Corinthians 3, it says that we are called temples of the Holy Spirit. Say temple of the Holy Spirit. If you are called a temple of the Holy Spirit, God gives you His Spirit that benefits you. But it's out of that relationship with the Holy Spirit that God ushers us into His glory and that glory benefits the people around us. Now think about this. If I am compromising and I'm walking in a lukewarm approach to the Lord, other people are not benefiting. That means it's to their disadvantage, not mine. Because God has positioned me to be salt and light. The beautiful thing about that is if you go and study where Jesus uses that you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. It's interesting that if you, if you study old times, what they did is they, they would take a torch or a fackle. I think that's the, I, I don't want to swear. A torch, it's safe, okay? Old time torch. And they, they would light it, isn't it true? But if they wanted a brighter light, they would dip it into salt and it would make actually a whiter light. Therefore, Jesus calls us, you are the salt and the light because it's not a light that you can hide under a bucket. You were meant to shine bright for the King. There's no middle ground. 
as I just thought about being lukewarm, I thought about three categories. You know what? There, there might be much more, but I, I, I thought about three. The first one is, you know that you are, you are lukewarm when you approach with the Lord. And you're actually going to do something about it because you recognize and you start doing something about it. A sadder reality is that you recognize you're lukewarm, but you walk out of this place and you're going to do absolutely nothing about it. A worse position than that is you recognize you're lukewarm, but you like it. Because sin and compromise is more appealing than God Himself. It's like lukewarm and loving it. I'm loving it. And I think that's what the Lord is trying to navigate us out of this place. You know why? Because there's, think about this. Why would God want us to live in this time? He thought about me and you to live in this specific time. Just because he just played like, spin the bottle up in heaven and he thought, oh, Richard, I think it's a good time to live in 2022 for you. Just make money and enjoy life. Have a good time. Like it. No. He's got a purpose. And that purpose is always linked to people. And if I'm not walking in that purpose, people are losing out on the benefits of that what God wants to do. Can I go through a few signs of lukewarmness? Okay. Just hold your seat. I did my own. I was holding my bed. Okay. First one. You love, your love and your adoration for God has started to fade. You've lost your desire to spend time with God. First sign. Your desire to be with the Lord has started to fade. Sign number two, you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but, but you live as that you ought to help yourself. And it means in a certain way that you've, you've replaced or taken your, your life into your own hands. It's as if God is, he's, you know he's there, but it's not priority. Sign number two. Number three, you can attend church, but you are content with your current lifestyle. And you can walk out of it really applying to that what you've learned. Sign number four. For the most part, you are no longer experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And about areas in your life that are not in line with the Word of God. Number five. You become increasingly fascinated by teachings of philosophers, of those who debate spiritual matters. And you can be caught up in their viewpoints so much that you would consider or study what they say much more than the Bible. Say that with a lot of philosophy. Number six, you like to worship mostly for the music and the atmosphere it brings rather than meeting with the Lord. Number seven, you would look for reasons why not to go to church and to fellowship with other believers. Number eight, hallelujah. Are you ready? It's something that the Lord convicted me on. I'm in the presence of the Lord and my phone has also got a voice to speak. I need to be intentional that when I'm with God, that my phone can wait. 
I'm not, while I'm sitting and praying in the Spirit, then I check who liked my Facebook update or did somebody tag me on something on Instagram or just looking for something. My phone is not important. My phone has got a voice and therefore I should eliminate any other voice that can speak to me. Number nine, if I'm lukewarm, I'm moved by stories about people who do radical things for Christ, that yet they do, I don't do radical things myself for the Lord. I'm not saying I'm not being inspired to step out in faith. It's just nice stories to hear. It's good stories. So it's an area of lukewarmness. Number 10. Lukewarm Christians rarely share their faith with their neighbors, their co-workers, or friends. I read this quote of Charles Spurgeon. He said the following. He said, you are either a missionary or you are an imposter. Let that just sink in for one moment. I'm either a missionary or I'm going to be an imposter. I can act. Just because there's a stage right here doesn't mean I need to act. So many of us, we use our life, the platform of our life, to act out in a Christian way. But it carries nothing of the Lord. Number 11. Lukewarm Christians think about life on earth much more than eternal life. Now it's the biggest thing I shared with Pastor Eric a year or two ago. For me personally, I realized that one of our biggest challenges as Christians, specifically in this time, is the challenge of comfort comfort I will do anything in my life to make my life more comfortable it can be a challenge last one lukewarm Christians do not live by faith their lives are constructed so that I never have to live by faith I'm trying to position myself in such a way that faith is not necessary and the scripture commands us very clearly it says you do not walk by sight but I walk by what say it again faith 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 would cost us something faith is uncomfortable faith moves things in heaven it's the one thing that nobody can give to you I need to work in my own faith not work in terms of of a carnal work of the flesh it's something where I discover something of the Lord and when I step out in that place I meet the Lord faith it's interesting if I read through Ephesians 3 it says this following it says for this reason verse 14 3 verse 14 it says for this reason I bow before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth desires its name derives its name I pray that out of his glorious riches you might be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being how many of you need strengthening in your inner being think now listen to this so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, say love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is Christ's love. And that to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of the fullness of Christ. 
it's important because the Lord wants to fill us in this time with a fresh outpouring of wine. What happened and what worked for you in the, in the previous season of your life doesn't mean it's working right now. You know what's the problem? If I need to teach, say for instance, I would speak to Pastor Shabbat or Danette, and I would say to you, this is how you pray. I can't teach prayer. Prayer teaches prayer. The more I pray, the more I realize what the Lord likes. And the more I realize what He likes, I start realizing, oh, this is called the relationship with God. The same way I'm married, there's certain things that my wife likes and there's certain things that she doesn't like. But I learn it through being in relationship with her. And I see that I do certain things and she says, I don't like that. And then I'm offended and I'm like, just get over yourself. And then I need to be like, oh yes, I'm so sorry. Maybe that wasn't the right response. I buy you a flower or a chocolate or I'm just sorry about that. And the next time when I'm in a certain relationship or a certain scenario, I'm aware of if I do this, this is going to be the response. And I don't do that anymore. Or at least I try. The problem is if we become so religious in our walk with the Lord that we think everything works in formulas. Come on, you can't work God out in formulas. God works in systems and seeds, not in formulas. Do you know it's a system? Let me use an example. When God made the whole earth and He made the grass and grass grows and then grass dies, God doesn't, every time a piece of grass dies, He doesn't come down to earth and He says, grass live in the name of Jesus. Because He already spoke and made it. There's a system in place. The system is inside of His seed. How many of you know that the Bible says that you've received the incorruptible seed of Christ? Whatever you need is already inside of you if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me use a different example. Adam was lonely. Inside of him was a rib. It was inside of him that God took something out to create that what he longed for. How many of you know that that was inside of you that God placed inside of you? It's got the potential to change everything in your life. It's like I'm thinking and I'm speaking to myself is that I need to say that the Lord announced, how many of you heard the war? We we know that we moved into the new season of 5783, if I remember correctly. Yes, I, I feel like this is a new pin number I need to remember. Okay. Change your pin number. Okay. But how many of you know that that you can be in the season and God has announced a lot of new things like He said, I want to settle debt. How many of you know that God can put your name in somebody's ear and they can call you tomorrow morning and say, I don't know why, but I feel that I need to settle that was on your heart. God uses people or the bank and say, by mistake, or not by mistake. They just send you your deed. Just please come and, Mr. Van Rijn, come and sign your papers. Come and collect them. How many of you know that that day, it will be like, you don't need to even say hallelujah or sana. You will just shout hallelujah. 
if that potential is there and God announced something, how many of us are living with an expectation? Because lukewarmness will keep us in the status quo, expecting the average the whole time. Not saying that we should expect all the luxury and all these goods because sometimes those things, God withholds it because it becomes a stumbling block. It would destroy us. But it's also to the benefit of people. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So God's system is a system where it touches people. Three last things. The power makes the difference. Why? We read Ephesians 3. That God says there's a power that's working on the inside of you. What does that power do? The first thing is that I, as I just prayed, I was reminded about Stephen. What an amazing guy in the Bible. He's very close to my own name. So he must be an amazing guy. Exactly. So Stephen was, was being stoned, but like with rocks. He was stoned. Just to correctify, because some of you need to just make the transition from the world to a Christian way. Okay. And as he was being stoned, the Bible says he looked up and he saw the Son of Man standing. And as he was being stoned, he fell asleep. You know why? Because that which you are most aware of, you'll submit to. Some of us, we are so consumed with that was busy happening around us that we submit to that was busy happening around us and it influences us in our walk with the Lord. And we become, it's like ineffective in your walk with the Lord. Number two, I was reminded of the Song of Solomon's where he just woos this lady and he says, obviously your neck is like this tower and your other parts are like doves and just go and read it, it will bless you. But one thing I realized about, he's, he's trying to explain what he thinks about this lady. You know why? Because when you're in love, you think very differently. How many of you were ever in love in your life? To the married people, I'm, I guess, yammer. I guess, I'm sorry if your, other, if your spouse didn't raise their hands. They'll have to buy you coffee afterwards and a donut. I just apologize on their behalf. But when you're in love, you know what? I don't know how about you, but Dion, when you just started dating Francesca, did somebody need to remind you to think about her? Did somebody need to remind you, did you message her today? When you took her out for a milkshake, were you just thinking about your budget or were you just thinking about we're going to be together? Then why or why as Christians do we understand that the Bible says why have you lost your first love? Because when you're in love, nobody needs to remind you that you spent time with the Lord today. Did you read your Bible? Did you do this? Did you give the Lord an offering? No, because when you're in love, nobody needs reminding Man, oh man, you will stay up hours that you, it would be ridiculous. You'll spend money that you don't have. Then why as Christians, as soon as we, we start walking with the Lord, we fall into this religious duty 
forsaking the first love. I love what David prays. says, Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation. That is my prayer for myself over this last couple of weeks. Lord, return to me the joy of my salvation because I remember when I just got saved, I couldn't help it, but I needed to tell every single friend of mine about what Jesus did for me. And I knew it was gonna be offensive, but I still did it because I love the Lord. And I did a lot of harm. Some of them were like, you are a Satanist. My own father at that stage called me and said, you are busy with Satanism. It's a cult. And I was, it hurt me so much. And I remember the one night, I, what I did is in my time, you know what I did? At that stage, the good old days when worship was still amazing. Eh? Like it still is, but I'm, I'm speaking about the genres of personal I would put up this, this one artist, um, Jason Upton, and he had this one CD. It was just over an hour long. And I would push myself to make sure that I'm going to be praying in the Spirit for that whole CD. And then the, now the first song is like 13 minutes. And, it, and the last song is also about like 15 minutes. And it starts uh, going up to new atmosphere. Don't worry about my voice. The point is, and I remember that last one when I'm just like, oh, we are almost through with the CD. We are, I almost prayed an hour in the spirit and I was so excited. And I would go about my whole day, I'm like, and you know what I realized is that throughout my day, I would just be thinking about, I prayed an hour in the spirit. And when I find myself, I would just begin that I'd be yesterday, I'd be end. Okay, obviously my tongue sounded very differently then. But I would just pray in this. I remember my first tongue, Pastor Eric, and then prayed for me in a life group meeting. And I received my tongue and I was so scared I'm going to lose what the Lord did in me. I tried to write down my tongue so that I wouldn't forget it. Have you ever tried writing down a tongue? It's crazy. I had one word. It was like bashat. That was my first one. And I was like, obviously coming from very Afrikaans, I said, now, S-H-Bash or C-H. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And then the one, and I remember this, this time I was just praying, Bashat, Bashat. The, and there was a time I'm saying like, yes, am I saying like, shut up. That's how I felt. And as the more I started saying that, it was like the streams of living water that gushed out of me. And it went like, I still remember it to this day. It was like, And I was like, how on earth am I gonna write that down? And I said, Lord, just add it. And I wanna remember this moment. And as I did it, it started forming more languages. And the more I started doing, I asked people, hey, can you pray in tongues? It's crazy. And we would sit in church on that stage and I would just see people, and Pastor Carl would preach at that shit, or Pastor Gibbard, and, I, and he would say, let's pray in the Spirit. And I would see people just standing like this, and I'm like, hey, can I pray for you? You need to be praying in the Holy Spirit. It does something to you on the inside. You know what the, what the sad part of us? That sometimes we get so focused on myself that I can think that I've been baptized. I was baptized in icy cold water. Some of you have been baptized in this water, in this pool, you are blessed. Midwinter, Pastor Eric baptized me with the lady who led me to the Lord. That water was so cold, they weren't even in the water. They were sitting. I forgive you. They were sitting 
on the dam wall, not like the dam wall, it was like a plaza dummy They were sitting on the outside and they're like, do you receive the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'm like, when the Bible says you die and you come, I felt like I was just gonna die. That, I don't even remember the baptism. I just remember, it's like, I'm so called, but I knew that I'm obedient. Coming out of the waters, I felt like everybody should be baptized. You know what the sad part is that as we walk with the Lord, our biggest challenge is we become used to it. And we start losing our wonder. It's like my children, if I say something to them, they know I'm gonna keep my word. Because I've been in the position where I didn't keep my word. And I felt like I will not teach them as if I am modeling Father God to them, they need to be able to trust my word. Friends, you know what's the sad part of it? The enemy has disappointed faith out of believers. And I sense that's what the Lord wants to restore in this night, that He returns the joy of our salvation. Come on, there's something on the inside of us that is gonna benefit somebody. And you know what, so, so many times in the mornings, how many of you are joining us in the morning prayer? If you're not joining us, I feel like just do something to yourself because you should be praying with us. This coming, this coming Tuesday, we are starting something here in the church called Hunger Nights. You know what the beautiful thing about being hungry is? When you smell food, you can't think about anything else. It's like, you can be a person who says, I don't eat gluten, whatever, I don't eat this. Just walk past a bakery, you'll be hungry. Or walk past a place that just baked freshly baked pies. I don't care who you are, you'll be hungry. Or you say, I don't eat meat, okay, just pray for yourself. And then we'll invite you to a bride. No, I'm joking, I'm going invite you. But the Lord likes sacrifice. But the point is, is that we start losing out on that wonder because we get stuck in our way because we think we figured out God. The biggest enemy is that we've become so used to the way we walked that nothing can shift us. And the slightest thing about how the Holy Spirit says, I don't like that or I do like that. It feels that it's, it's not right because I'm used to doing this. You used to, when you pray, you put on music. What about trying tomorrow not to put on any music? You don't need a song. You can pray yourself up in the most holy faith. Instead of just you doing this, I'm gonna read my one chapter a day. Try praying in the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to read? And I just wait. David writes this one thing and he says, I will wait upon the Lord even if it takes me the whole day. I will wait upon the Lord even if it takes me the whole day. But we fall in love. Last one. The reason why we need not to be lukewarm is because if you look at, I, I read this this afternoon, yes, and it just blessed me once again. In Acts 14, we find Paul and Barnabas, they were busy preaching in a city. 
and there was a lame person, and, they, and, the, and the Lord healed the lame person through them. And the people of that city immediately said, the gods have come down to us in the flesh. And they brought their bulls and they tried to sacrifice in front of them. And Paul just says, whoa, 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 whoa. We are just mere mortals. It wasn't us, it was the Lord. And when he said that, the people are like, they were so offended. They stoned him. Right at the end of that passage, it says, after they stoned him, the disciples gathered around him and he stood up and he walked back into the city. I'm like, that is radical faith. They just threw you with rocks and you're still going back in. Can I submit you? Is that it's in that time where you're so ablaze with the Holy Spirit that nothing that happens around you matters because it's the obedience to Christ that means everything to you. Sometimes we're so afraid what we're going to be losing out to what we can be gaining through being obedient to Him. It's like this thought that I had um, yesterday morning. No, the, on, on Friday morning, I read this verse in Malachi. Everybody reads Malachi and they just read the tithing. Have you read Malachi 1? I was rebuked. Where the writer, he writes and he says, he says that you bring all your, your weird animals. I don't know, but there's a better word. Your, your, your deep your deformed animals. You bring your deformed animals and you want to honor. And then he asked, uh, the Bible says this, and he says, would you give that gift to the governor and say that they are blessed? And then it's asked the question, what would he say? Says the Lord of the heavenly hosts. Sometimes we think we bring God this half-hearted things and we expect to honor the Lord with that. And I'm not speaking about money. I'm speaking about your time and your commitment to the Lord. I'm speaking to myself as I'm saying that, guys, it's in this time that we need to reevaluate and say, Lord, set me ablaze. I want to burn for you. Lord, if you are called fire and light, put something inside of me. I want to burn for you, Jesus. But it comes in a decision that we make. The man at the tomb was full with a legion of demons, but he chose to fall before Jesus and worship him. If a man full of demons can do that, then we as Christians are without any excuse. Nobody needs to tell you, lift your hands to the Lord, sing to him, pray, because it's a natural response. And I sense what the Lord wants to do. to set us ablaze once again. There's two things that I sent that I sense that the Lord just, just put in my heart this afternoon as I was praying. Sorry, let me just come down. The first thing is that obviously we spoke about the, the place of being lukewarm. There's three places. The first one is you recognize and you're going to do something about it. The second one is that you are walking in lukewarmness but you just walk out and you're going to do nothing about it. Then the last one was, you walk in lukewarmness, you recognize it, but you like it. And I sense the place where we need to shake out of that is repentance. We need to repent for walking in lukewarmness. And you know what picture I saw? It was, I think it's in Acts 16, if I'm trying to remember, or Acts 10. Where's Cornelius? 10, yes. 
where it says that, um, no, it was Acts 16, it wasn't Cornelius, about the jailer. The jailer who, when, when, Paul, and, uh, when Paul and Silas were freed, and he ran out and he says, what happened now and whatever, and he tried to kill himself. And when they spoke the gospel to him, the Bible says he fell to his knees. 